Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, who's back. David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Futures trying to recover a bit from a stumble this morning as the 10-year peaks just above 5%. Plenty of M&A to get to today, including a mega deal in the energy patch and the biggest week of earnings season on deck. Our roadmap begins with stocks sliding to start this new week of trading. S&P closing below its 200-day moving average for the first time since March. Plus, we've got a mega deal in the oil industry. Chevron is buying Hess, the price tag $53 billion in stock. We're going to have the CEOs of both companies joining us right here at Post 9 momentarily. And one of Apple's largest suppliers, Foxconn, reportedly being investigated by authorities in China. They are said to be conducting tax audit inspections and reviewing land use of Foxconn subsidiaries. That is pressuring shares of Apple a bit as we get started with trading 29 minutes from now. Oh, actually... I'm going to send it to myself. Thank you, Carl. Because we do uh, start not with the markets itself, but with that major deal in the energy sector. Chevron, as we told you, agreeing to acquire Hess. It's an all-stock transaction. It's valued at $171 a share before, of course, we see Chevron trade this morning. Um, The ratio, 1.0250 shares of Chevron. Uh, And again, uh, we're going to be speaking to both the gentlemen behind that deal uh, very shortly uh, Jim, it follows, of course, Exxon and Pioneer. I am told, however, these two were talking long before that. At least they've been having conversations. My understanding is that date back a long time. But even in terms of getting serious about a potential deal now, it didn't have anything to do with Exxon Pioneer. Nonetheless, we are seeing significant consolidation amongst uh, uh, some major players. Yeah, I think that there's a sense that oil's worth less on Wall Street than it is in the ground. That's a great time to buy. Uh, one, of the iron, one of the undercurrents I do, you know, Carl, I gotta do this, but it does, does Mike Worth, the CEO of Chevron, believe maybe, you know, maybe you talk about, you know, higher for longer. Does he believe in that for fossil fuel? Higher for longer, mm. because I do start thinking that maybe EVs are in play here. The reason I say that is because Wall Street is not valuing these companies as if their value is like, look, they're going to go away. But uh, what we've seen in EV world in the last couple of weeks is very telling. And I don't think oil's going away. I think oil has actually been underestimated in terms of how long it's going to be with us. So you do need this. And David's been to Guyana man. or Guyana, <clears throat> Guyana, as those of us who've been there like to call it. Well, uh, Mike's calling it Guyana, so we'll oh, switch well, to that if I'm we gonna want to. Have to. I'm going to have to correct it. Is that like tomorrow? <laughs> I spent a is lot of time on getting that All right. All right, well, you better, like, maybe you, you, you correct some people down at the end of the year. Yeah, there we are on one of the Exxon FPSOs, by oh, the way. Oh, my God, are you using your footage? Be, that's an Exxon they deal. Are, they are going to be a partner with Exxon. They're Hess's oh, insane. yeah, that's okay. Mike's watching then. right now. And, they're, and they like each other, because who doesn't in the oil? What? Uh, Name me two oil companies that hate each other. They like each other when they could be producing as much as a million barrels of oil. Every day. 
Yeah, strange yeah, They like each other just fine. Your point, though, about the EV curve, though, Jim, is a good one. Uh, some of the adoption forecasts getting pushed. I mean, the UK pushing back net zero targets uh, as it's politically increasingly untenable to have some of these firm deadlines. It is. What happens, unless you get California saying, listen, we're going to outlaw fossil, what happens to the... Here's a thought. That Musk conference call, that echoed all the way to Milan where I was, and that was a conference call. And David, you were the first to get existential with him. That was a conference call where he was worried. I mean, he said, yeah, we're advertising. And yeah, it was kind of like everyone's got one. Don't. He said basically everyone who's got one. You know, oh, he was worried about macroeconomic headwinds, uh, not the least of which, of course, is higher interest rates. And we will certainly get to the 5% level of the 10-year, which was Oh, but we're going to take out 2,000. I'm trading. saying that, by the way. I'm now focused but on... But, Jim, listen, I'm this idea on 1998. That, EVs are, that EVs are not in a sentence, that doesn't... When you speak to the executives in the oil industry, they will quickly remind you about chemicals, plastics, jet fuel, and on and on from there. And, right. you know, I mean... Darren Woods of Exxon is saying, yeah, under our stress scenarios into the future, we see us going back to 2013 levels. That was, that's where they demand going. So oh, well, there's going to well, be listen, a need for Who was the largest company in the world for a in long, 2013? long time. I mean, Exxon was top five largest in 2013. And so that's potentially why you see these kinds of deals. Well, you know, we should ask Mike and even John Haas. I think we will. I think we will. Well, we'll all I can tell you, all I can tell you is, is that Sheffield, I think, Sheffield had problems finding an heir to the throne. John's been around for a long time, dean of the group in some ways, and this is a great opportunity to stay on the board. He's not selling stock if you're joining the board. It's true. He's all in. Um, you see more coming? Is there a possibility? Any, any names I saw you want some to share? Clown. I, mean, I, 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 I promised to come back know. from Europe with a kinder, some idiot downgraded Diamondback today, which is, let, right. you know, that's higher than clown. Right. I just there want was to say some talk about like Devin and Diamondback, and I mean I, I don't know is there going to be more consolidation? Like, you know, Rick Moncrief has had a bad run at Devin. I'd hate yeah. to see him give up at the bottom. Uh, I do think that well, although those two have almost identical market caps, oh yeah, so I they know. could do it. No, MOE. but you know Devin's Devin's pretty domestic. They don't have a guy Guyana to right. quote you. Devin is you know Devin's about. Uh, just conventional Europe. This, by the way, it's not about Permian, which is unlike Pioneer, which has got incredible Permian. By the way, the Guiana, Guyana, yes. is incredibly cheap. The break even. Yes. What do you think of that? <laughs> what do I think of it? Well, sorry to ask. Okay, well, how was the weather? <laughs> weather was okay. Uh, Jim, it's not just energy today, though. There's deals involving Roche and Fordiv and Engage Smart Vista equity partners. I I am saying that there is a belief that the peak in the FTC's prowess, not that it never had any, but I'm being kind. So that ship is sailed. uh, That Titanic is sailed. You are welcome back with an actual merger Monday, I think it's fair to say, Yeah, Texaner, I mean, there's a deal in actually, Obviously, with this deal being by far the largest, but to your point, Vista deal is a $4 billion deal. Uh, We've got Roche buying an asset for over $7 billion. Yeah, we've got a couple of others. I'm glad that Roche is doing There is a bit of activity. It doesn't mean that we're going to see anything close to record levels, but... uh, No, but... And, Jim, it may be, to to the point you're making, that companies are a bit more 
a bit braver when it comes to sort of deciding to venture well, forward uh, in, in light of the recent losses at the FTC. Right. Although, frankly, regulatory is still going to figure very prominently in any of the decisions that go towards saying, okay, we're going to go forward with a potential deal. But it's I still think that there. the debacle of the week was, uh, unfortunately, James Gorman and Swan Song with Morgan Stanley. And he's saying, look, uh, issuance is coming back, m and is coming back. Well, lo and behold, who's doing this deal? So, I mean, I imagine if Morgan Stanley had done this deal three weeks ago, the stock wouldn't be at 72 going to 68. It might be at 78 going to 81. They, they did kind of miss, in a way, They're on not, the investment I, banking Let's take kind of out of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the average stock reacting to earnings has not been kind. In fact, that's a big piece of oh, Mike, Wilson's Mike Wilson. Yeah, just over the weekend that uh, uh, price action on earnings, I think even Wells tallying some of the uh, number of companies that are raising eight versus that are number that are lowering seven. We had a price target raise in, in SLB, formerly Schlumberger, and then we had about 30 price target cuts. David's always been a very close observer of price target cuts. Not, but the fact is they do set the tenor. Remember, we're podcast, so you're nodding in agreement with me. No one knows. They do set the tenor, Jim. Thank you. You're welcome. A lot of this, of course, revolves around geopolitics as well. We'll move on oh, to the geez. Middle East today. Israel intensifying airstrikes in Gaza as its war against Hamas now enters a third week. NBC's Jay Gray is in Tel Aviv once again with the latest. Morning, Jay. Hey, good morning, Carl. Let's talk about the last 24 hours intense airstrikes from IDF fighter jets. We know, according to the IDF, that at least 320 military targets were hit. They say that includes tunnels and operational control centers. We also know that strike teams have moved across the border. They say they're going in looking for hostages to clear the area, again, they say, uh, of Hamas gunmen. At least one IDF soldier was killed, three others wounded during those attacks. From the other side, the Hamas Ministry of Health saying that over 400 people were killed overnight in those attacks and that 182 of them are children. They say that 12 hospitals and 32 health centers have been forced to close due to a lack of fuel. That gets us to the aid coming in on the other end of the Gaza Strip. We know that 17 trucks moved through yesterday, 20 more today. They're carrying much needed water, food, medicine. What they don't have is any fuel. And Israeli teams are searching these trucks and making sure there's no fuel on board. They have said Repeatedly, no fuel is getting into Gaza until this war is finished. The White House has said that they will continue to see a flow of aid moving through that gate. But the U.N. says at this pace, it's about 4% of what they normally see daily in supplies before the war began. So it's really just a drop in an area that is desperate for any help. They also say that hospitals that are still operating have about two days of fuel left. And we now know, Carl, that many of the doctors in those hospitals are carrying out procedures in the operating room, doing it by the light of their cell phones. That's all they have. Jay, incredible. And we'll talk maybe later this morning about the number of uh, military assets from the U.S. that are moving closer to the region. Uh, Jay Gray at Tel Aviv. Jay, thanks. When we come back, Chevron's Mike Worth and Hess's John Hess here at Post 9. We'll talk about their $53 billion deal. We'll get to a bunch of calls today on Walgreens, Pins, Salesforce, Roku, and set up for a very busy week. Don't go anywhere. Let's get straight to the point. 
you want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to uh, Squawk on the Street. Let's turn back to uh, it is certainly the deal of the day, if not the week, or even longer, perhaps. Chevron is buying Hess. It's an all stock transaction valued at around fifty three billion dollars. Joining us now first on CNBC, Chevron CEO Mike Worth, and he is joined by Hess's CEO, John Hess. Guys, uh, nice to have you here at Post 9. Thank you. Um, I would typically start with the acquirer asking a question. But, John, I really kind of more curious in some ways as to why you've chosen to sell Hess to Chevron. Why now? Why at this price? After, obviously, a company that's borne your family name for quite some time and has done quite well in the stock market, certainly over the last year. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. And, uh, you know, this year is the 90th anniversary of our company. Our company started, has a proud history with my father driving a truck uh, during the Depression, a secondhand truck delivering fuel oil in the region. And we've always been guided by making the right long-term decisions for our shareholders. This is the right long-term decision for our shareholders. And at the end of the day, a very compelling one. I think what's important to understand, David, is that Hess brings growth to Chevron, growth in resource, growth in production, growth in cash flow. And Chevron brings us financial strength, financial strength in terms of a strong balance sheet, a diversified portfolio of assets, and industry-leading cash returns. So this strategic combination uh, really builds and creates the premier oil and gas company positioned for the energy transition. But you talk about long-term, and I get that, and I'm sure your shareholders do too, and they will be able to participate given it's an all-stock deal. But my understanding is you guys have known each other for quite some time. You've had at least some conversations years back about this possibility. And I am curious then, John, why now? Yeah, it's a strategic fit. Mike and I have been talking about it for a couple of years, but the pricing never worked. Now the pricing works and people talk about it. Uh, People have to realize that, you know, we have the best growth portfolio in the business. And uh, if you look at our stock the last five years, we were the best TSR, total shareholder return, over a five-year period, uh, whether it's major or whether it's independent. And last year we were up 94%, uh, number two in the S&P. So the prices and the exchange ratio converged where it would be on a 20-day basis, a 10% return, uh, a price that worked for Mike's shareholders, but also would uh, work for ours. Remember, we're getting stock back. Understood. So we're going to be But it's pricing that you're, that, that it just, the timing now is correct because in part, as you just said. It's a win-win. It's a win-win and the prices are properly fit. Right. 
And, but since our shareholders are getting uh, Chevron stock, we get to participate in the upside. Of course. But we also get a higher dividend. Our dividend goes from $1.75 a share to $6 right. a share. And next year, it's going to be six fifty, And yet, we still improve the intrinsic value and growth of Chevron. Mike, I'm wondering, first, I'm sorry, congratulations both. Uh, I'm wondering if we can't go back in time. A couple years ago, oil stocks were hated. There was a belief that whether it be ESG, whether it be lack of growth, that it was finite. There's some terminal values to be reached by 2030. And yet the world has changed. It turns out that we need oil much more than we realize. It turns out the oil companies are a little bit better citizens. Maybe even turns out the, that the electric vehicle uh, adoption is slower. How many of these uh, determined the idea that really just put a lot more of your company shares toward fossil? Well, look, first of all, we believe the future of energy is lower carbon. And we are committed to helping to build a lower carbon energy system. We've been investing in hydrogen, carbon capture and storage, renewable fuels, and decarbonizing the oil and gas that we use today, reducing the carbon footprint of the the energy that the world uses today. Uh, The reality is the energy system is massive, and it needs to continue running to keep the lights on, to keep the trains running, to keep the toy trucks delivered for Christmas. And, uh, and so, uh, look, we, we need to uh, operate in the world that we live in, and that is one that still needs oil and gas delivered by uh, responsible producers. This is a fantastic, exciting deal for us. It's about long-term growth, it's about long-term value, and a continuing a commitment to a lower carbon energy system. But is oil still cheaper in the ground than on Wall Street because of these concerns? Because when I listen to you, I think to myself, wait a second, maybe all these are buys. Maybe they, congratulations TSR, but the fact is, People gave up on these stocks. This is great business. I think there's still a lot of upside in these stocks. The multiples are still low. Uh, the cash flows are long. The, the duration on our cash flows now is we bring these two companies together. I talked about long-term growth and long-term value. Uh, this extends our visible growth profile into the 2030s. Uh, we've got leading shareholder distributions. Our uh, dividend growth has been 6% uh, per year over the last five years, double that of our nearest peer. We announced uh, the intent to grow our raise our dividend at 8% in the first quarter of next year, increase our share buyback to $20 billion a year. We're returning cash to shareholders and still see relatively low multiples compared to the rest of the market. So we think there's a lot of upside. Doesn't sound like regulatory worries are are top of mind. Can you talk about how close a look that got during negotiations? You always talk about that during negotiations. Uh, This is an upstream transaction. There's no refining. There's no marketing. Uh, the oil markets are big. We're, we produce 2%. We have a 2% market share in, in the global oil markets. Um, our portfolios have really very little overlap at all. And so we don't believe there are any real uh, competition issues here. We'll certainly work with the authorities to go through the process. Uh, but we see this as good for America. These are two great American companies that are coming together. It's good for energy security, which is on people's mind these days. It's good for the American economy, and uh, we see it as a transaction. Yeah, something else that's on people's minds, though, as you well know, is trying to reduce the carbon footprint across the board in this in this world as we fight uh, climate change. I mean, how do you respond to those who say, well, all right, it's stock, but you're still going to be buying back a lot of stock to offset what you're, uh, to a certain extent, what you're issuing? You could use your capital more effectively here by continuing to focus on carbon reduction efforts, and you're not doing so. Instead, you're buying a lot of assets that have carbon in the ground. Well, I I would disagree with that, David. We are focusing on lower carbon energy. I just mentioned we've got the largest production and storage of green hydrogen project 
in the U.S. that we just invested in. We're the second largest renewable fuels producer, and we're expanding our renewable fuels production capacity. We're working hard to develop carbon capture and storage projects. We're absolutely committed and remain committed to building these lower carbon energy systems, but the world's using the energy that it is today, and we can combine and reduce the, the emissions intensity of the oil and gas that's being used in the world as well. And so we have to do both. Uh, it's not about one or the other. We need to do both of those. Right. And you think by this deal you will you will be able to reduce the overall carbon footprint, for example, from production? Sure. We're, we're doing things today to reduce methane emissions, uh, to reduce the, the improve the efficiency of all of the operations. If you look at the carbon intensity of our business today, it's, uh, it's down 25% from what it was just a few years ago. We've got a commitment to get it down 40% by 2028. Hess has been doing a great job of reducing the carbon intensity, the scope one and two emissions of their operations as well. So we're absolutely working on that at the same time as we're working on these new energy systems. Jen, uh, you uh, kind of broke ranks with the historical nature of your company. You, yes, you're keeping the trucks, thank you. But Hess was the gold standard at the gas station. It was the gold standard in refining. How did you know to leave those businesses and just go for pure? Well, you know, we've been on a journey. Uh, it is about change. You never stay with the same hand. And it's always try to invest in the highest returns and the business where you have competitive advantages. So uh, while we started with a truck, then became a refining and marketing company based in New Jersey, we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, then the gas stations. And then ultimately in 69, merged with Amrata to balance E&P and refining and marketing. I became CEO in 95. And in 2010, we started our journey just because an EMP company because we thought the returns would be higher. But Jim, you made a point before about oil and gas. Oil and gas are going to be needed for decades to come. They're key to an affordable, just, and secure energy transition. And in the United States, it's a strategic industry for our country. Uh, 12 million jobs, more than automotive, lower uh, energy and electric costs uh, by a factor of two to three versus Europe. And we're energy independent. We're uh, both Europe and China by 70% of their energy. So this issue of energy security is key, but people have to have clear-eyed thinking. Oil and gas are needed for decades to have an affordable transition. The key going forward is investment. The world needs to invest more in oil and gas, like 500 billion a year, where the last uh, five years it was three to 400 billion. And on new energies, the world needs to invest four trillion a year each year for the next 10 years. Last year, that number was a trillion seven. We have to be realistic about the investment challenge but ahead. If that's the case, Mike, the oil companies in this country have been spending far less. They've been returning money. It's not the drilling the way they used to do. I mean, so I hear John, but well, I don't know what to do with the companies that have two and three rigs going when I would have expected 10, 15, 20 by now. Well, I think over the last decade, we saw companies outspend cash flow, not, not create value for shareholders chasing growth. And I think the industry's gotten the message that shareholders expect a return of capital as well as a return on capital. And so companies across the industry have become more disciplined. I think they're returning cash to shareholders. The U.S. is still growing. The U.S. is over 13 million barrels a day of production, the highest that it's ever been. And so it's the biggest producer in the world, and it's growing. Uh, so we're, but, but we're doing both. And I think that's the key, whether you're talking about energy transition and traditional energy, whether you're talking about growth and return to catch shareholders, you need to have a balanced approach here. And I think the industry is doing that today. Those production numbers have been getting a lot of notice lately. Does that mean that 
conversations with policymakers are getting easier. Earlier in the year, there was a lot of discussion about lack of conversation or tense conversations. I, I would say there continue to be mixed messages on the policy front. We, we don't get uh, a consistent set of messages on, uh, on investment, and for long-term investment, that's important. So I think there's still room for us to have more dialogue and try to find a path to um, steadier and more durable energy policy in this country. Uh, yeah, and guy, to build on what Mike said, yeah. Russia-Ukraine has changed the conversation. Energy security has changed the conversation. The importance of oil and gas to our country has changed the conversation. So I would say the administration is a little bit more pragmatic about the need for oil and gas, and it's actually a strength of our country. Um, Guyana, uh, something we talked about over 10 years ago when you were fighting off Elliott. Yes. Um, I've actually now been there and, and spent some time. Your partner's going to be ExxonMobil. Uh, is that an issue at all for, for Chevron when it comes to Guyana? Look, I think uh, Hess and, and Exxon have done a fantastic job in uh, developing this resource, in defining it, continuing uh, to find more and more. We work as partners to share risk in this industry all around the world. There are places uh, in Australia and Kazakhstan where we operate and Exxon is a partner. Uh, there are places in Nigeria and Canada where we're a partner and Exxon operates. Guyana will be that model. Uh, we've got a good relationship. They're an outstanding company with great technical capability, great project capability, and we look forward to What are your it. expectations in terms of production from, from that region, from Guyana in particular? Well, we're seeing the growth that uh, you know that you, you've seen out of that project. Uh, three of the uh, two floating production storage uh, and offloading units in operation today, a third not far away, ultimately up to ten and in excess of a million barrels a day over just the next few years. Steady, consistent growth, and it's been executed well. Projects have been on time, they've been on budget, and they're delivering more than expected. So it's a it's a world class asset. It's unique, and we're uh, really honored to be joining. Okay, but do you need all the assets? I mean. You've got Southeast Asia, you got Guyana, you got Bakken Shale, you have Gulf of Mexico. How about a disposal? Well, we'll do some disposals as a result of this because our portfolio is stronger. And you always look at investing in the strongest and most advantaged assets that you have. There's other assets we have that are good, but they may not compete for capital as we remain disciplined on capital investment. They may fit better for others. And so we'll do some divestments as a result of this because we're a, we're a bigger and better company today and some of our assets may work better I for know others. that you're uh, no stranger because you're a, a kind of an ambassador for the industry, but Noble Energy, which was, I thought, a great acquisition, uh, at the same time caught up right now in the Mideast, which won down. Uh, stay, work with the different governments, work with Israel, what, or is it a distraction? And maybe time to just say, you know what, that was good, but it didn't work. No, it's a long-term business, Jim. We have geopolitical risk. We see security risk in our business all around the world. Uh, over my 40 years, this is not the first time we've seen a hot war in an area where we've got operations. First priority is the security of our people and reliable energy supply into the country. Uh, we're focused on that today, but it's a long-term business, and we've got to take a long-term view. The position in the Middle East, uh, offshore Israel, is a very attractive one. It's a strong resource, and we intend to, to be there for the long haul. But, Mike, when it comes to acquisitions, I mean, does this, in a sense, complete what you believe you need in terms of the growth profile for Chevron for years to come? Well, this is, certain, this is our second deal this year, and so it's important. Yeah, but it's far larger than the other one. It's yeah. important to integrate uh, these things well and to maintain stable and, uh, and safe operations as you go forward. That's a lot of work. Uh, so that's certainly what we're focused on here for the foreseeable future. Uh, that said, 
in our industry over our 143 years, we've grown through organic and inorganic activity over time. And I suspect down the road in the future, we'll see both. Yeah. And, and, and John, was there ever a consideration? I mean, obviously, you're acting on, on behalf of shareholders, of which you're a large one as much as, but I think, 10 percent. Uh, of selling to another company. Did you entertain other offers or was always just Chevron? Well, you know, over the years we get inbounds from time to time, but with the strategy we had, we thought we'd create the most value by executing that strategy. Uh, Chevron was the one company that offered us financial strength while we offered them growth and the pricing worked out where I think we're really creating the premier oil and gas company uniquely positioned for the energy transition. And by the way, it's also got a great CEO. So we're very comfortable uh, having our shares go into Chevron shares and being a long-term shareholder of the company. But the Hess name goes away. Does that bring you any sadness? No, the Hess toy truck will continue. The Hess, so the Hess truck, that's yes. enough to yeah. keep you happy? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, there are going to be some other things. I'm going to stay engaged in the business. I'm going to be joining the Chevron board, and I intend on having my voice heard on the energy transition. Gentlemen, thank you both for being with us. Thank really you. appreciate it. Let's get the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. And the big board, it's Carnegie Hall today, celebrating its 133rd concert season at the NASDAQ. And Calibri Global Energy doing the honors. Jim, reflections on this? Well, look, I have to believe, as Mike said, stronger, longer. As John pointed out, energy security could play a matter if those, anyone thinks this deal doesn't happen. 2% is all they have. I mean, it's hard to believe that that's a monopoly. So I think that this is a sign that these oil stocks are cheap, particularly after Sheffield selling to Exxon. Market, look, the market is so grim right now. Uh, maybe you have to look at where raising numbers are, but we, you could raise numbers of them. You heard what, what Hess's return was. But, but I, I come back and I look at prices and I think only bright spot for the moment. Yeah. This group. Uh, we have taken out uh, the 200-day. Took out at 42.16, Jim, yeah. the October low, intraday low. Yeah. I mean, look, we're seeing the Magnificent Seven retreat. We're seeing so many different companies. Uh, frankly, Wilson Wright in terms of the forecast being not that great. Uh, I know that if you're what, man, what some of the things that were said on that Morgan Stanley call that, look, if you're going to get... 5%, we're not going to tell you not to get 5%. So, I mean, right now we have to try to get settled to where I think the 30-year goes to 6, David. And people have to just realize that this is what happens while you're galloping to that. And you're going to go down every day toward that gallop until we stop. Um, every day? Really? Every day that it moves. Yeah. Look, there'll be days where it looks like it's going to be over, but it's not, especially with the issuance uh, especially with the fact that retail sales were strong. Maybe we had a strong employment number. I mean, Jesus, the economy is not really quick. And we're coming off a very strong employment number, which, right. right, gets to the point. You still think soft landing, though? Yes, absolutely, because this, this economy is too powerful to land hard. And I think those who are saying it's going to land hard don't realize that we've had rate increases like this. We just not have had the speed. And the speed is daunting. I, look, I keep going over the words of Jamie Dimon about the world being dangerous. Did a piece this week for club members. And I come back and I say, okay, listen to what they said. You actually could argue that the only part of the world being dangerous that's factored in yet is that oil is higher. Right. And there could be more to it 
when we come in, I mean, do you not check the headlines every couple no, you hours? I do, and I and I, and I, I do hear a lot of remarks from market participants saying it's, it's it seems as the market doesn't seem to really react as much to geopolitical events as you doesn't might anticipate. How. Perhaps it doesn't know how. It's it's often hard to judge exactly what the reverberations are going to be from war between Israel right. and Hamas, for example. But if it goes to the northern border, if it starts to spread, right. that would certainly not be a good thing. No, but the I don't know how much of that is market reaction right now or, or not I, I at think, all. Again, I think it's just trying to figure it out. Uh, you, you're Jay, Jay Gray speak from, you know, every day you're going to get an NBC report from there. And then you try to figure out, well, what does that have to do with the, yes, indeed, the price journey small corporates to Mars? And you don't know. In the meantime, the deals are happening. And people are yawning. It's a huge deal. Pioneer was a huge deal. Yes. People are saying, ah, oh, you know, there's no more deals. Well, I mean, wrong. These are two of the biggest deals, uh, without a doubt. But, I mean, you can take a look. What are they doing for those who like to see deals? The Hess Absolutely is, Hess, is, Hess is not doing anything. It's, right. it's down. I mean, but you know, the reason I was asking John, last year. in part, is there are people who are disappointed with the price, as you might imagine. True. Um, and Pioneer, look, my Chapel Trust owned it. With the ad distributions, we did really well. But at the same time, Carl, uh, boy, that, that 10 years of the piece of paper. <laughs> You know, it's too delicious did, to resist. Yeah, David and I did a, was that on John Oliver we did the 10-year play? But, I mean, there is just a moment where you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what? New Jersey general obligation bonds, three and change versus this nuttiness? Even I over Google, Amazon, Meta? But not me. I like the nation states. I'm not calling them, I'm not calling them companies. I'm in the nation states. Right. Because they don't have to borrow. They're like the Medici states. Having just returned from Italy, I wanted to get one reference in. Oh, David, what time is it? Oh, that's very nice. That's the official Eagles. Do you want to share it with the class? Well, I'd like to. I mean, my problem is, is, is this is the only good news. <laughs> Otherwise, I come in and I just say, look, I was watching the markets uh, last week, obviously, and wow, the earnings, not bad, but the reaction so horrendous. I mean, some of these, when you look at the reaction, you would think that they had first-class misses. And it wasn't true. The PE multiples are shrinking so radically. We haven't even seen what happens if this auto strike doesn't end soon. You sound a lot like Mike Wilson now. <laughs> no, no, you, I want to be Costin. You do sound a little. I'm going. I'm going Costin for Thanksgiving. Sound I'm a little going, somber. I mean, for for Halloween, I'm going Costin. You're going. You're, yeah. Are you going as? Costin? But I'm going to serve Wilson for Thanksgiving because I'm going to be right. It's just going to take some time. Yeah. We have to get the bonds where they got to go. Uh, and not Jay Powell. It's not Jay. It kind of puts into context some of the sell-side calls this morning. I wonder what you think of the Piper downgrade of Salesforce. Oh, my God. Okay, so can we just talk about the hatred of enterprise software coming come from them? They had a huge upside surprise. Stock goes to 228, 229. Uh, Benioff was the most bullish I've ever seen him. Then I follow up with a trip to Dreamforce. He's the most bullish I've ever seen him. He's starting to break into new verticals. They're doing so much with generative AI. And it's hated? I mean, to me, that's just P.E. multiple. We're going to hear from ServiceNow soon. Yep, this week. I mean, ServiceNow. They only miss and invent a, th- a thermonuclear war. So I just think this is completely overdone. But I recognize a bad chart. Look at Oh, my God. It's a head and shoulders. Proctor did well, by the way. It's the only good quarter last week. Head and shoulders. What are you looking at? I'm looking at some texts. 
You're not looking at anything. What do you mean I'm not looking at anything? You're looking at Jalen Hurts. You got the pick I'm six. I'm just making sure I've got Damn. some information that I need to discuss the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is another Whoa. deal this morning. Engage Smart, Vista buying at $4 billion is the price tag, uh, roughly. Okay. $23 a share. It is all cash. So unlike Hester okay. stock, uh, at least if you own Engage Smart this morning, Enterprise software, you know, relatively small. Uh, you're happy because the stock's up. At least you're somewhat happy. There you go. Got a nice 12% bump. Yeah. You can see you haven't seen that price no. uh, this year. Um, I haven't gone back and taken a look. But, uh, you know, I'm just looking through. I mean, obviously, Vista has been active. I did notice, speaking of the financing markets, they're not financing this right away. They're going to wait. They'll oh, probably, okay. so they're, it's all equity. They're bringing in, most likely, uh, you know, some co-invest. They're taking General Atlantic down, which owns 52% of this, to about 35%. And as I said, fully committed equity financing, not subject to a financing condition, because you may want to wait, if you can, uh, in this market and see. Maybe things will get a little bit better for you. How about the so fact that a this PE is not firm, a leveraged buyout at all right now? How about um, a PE firm cash being able to cash out a little? Yeah. How nice is that? I yeah. was going to ask you about. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you about Blackstone. What about them? and cash out? That quarter wasn't there. The quarter, there was a disappointment, perhaps, that yeah. there weren't more. That's what I thought. Cash shots, even though they did pass the trillion-dollar level in assets under management. But it was Blackstone. hated. This is another one where and it, good, and good Blackstone was hated. Not, was, uh, was, was not a good performer. It was down no. as much as almost 5% that I, day after earnings. The reaction, Carl, to those that just did okay is so punitive. Again, I don't want to miss the fact that I got, look, has Wilson been right during the last week? Yeah, dead right. Uh, but I also think that we're going to, the level of gloom is very high, and a lot of it is in the context of Jamie Dimon saying, you, maybe you should be more scared. Uh, rates going higher, the world going crazy, and then there's the usual conundrum of the consumer. I wanted to talk just for a second about Steve Squeery and American Express. If the student loan problem is so bad, why is that the biggest spending cohort? And I can't figure that out. It's a confusion. But we end up just saying, well, listen, maybe that's an aberration. They're still going out to dinner like mad. Uh, that stock has acted so poorly, and yet I just don't think it deserves it. Yeah, we talked a lot about it on Friday. Uh, profit up 34 year on year. Travel entertainment up 13. U.S. consumer up 9. No real credit worries, at least telegraphed at the moment. No. I mean, look, yes, okay, not on uh, Express, but we do have... Uh, auto loans. I'm going to talk to a lot of companies in the in the auto business this week. Auto loan. Just <clears throat> excuse me. There yeah. are some problems with delinquencies and auto loan. That's the first. But 30 years worst <clears throat> delinquencies. That's not good. Really? Third? I yeah, didn't realize 30, 30 years. years high. That's bad. Um, even though, as you just said, Amex was talking about great strength amongst their customer base and not seeing profligate young people. Well, apparently, people who have enough money to continue to spend. It's kind of what, Working what, home people go out. Well, what Fifth Third said last week was some degradation in overall credit, yes. but a real bifurcation between the high end and the low end. And then some B2B uh, caution regarding budgets going into next year, CapEx, that kind of thing. But we're stuck with Walmart and Costco and TJX doing well, and everybody else doing poorly in the retail world. And that's, that's a shocking development because do we really only have, well, Amazon's doing well. Do we really only have a couple companies doing well in all of retail? All of retail. Right. Worrisome. Uh, and to Carl's point, you hear that from a number of, of different companies in terms of the 
uh, the difference in uh, willingness to spend amongst the middle to higher versus the lower yes. where there is a lot more pressure now. Let's call it you know, 40, 50,000 a year and below in terms of annual income. Um, I think even Musk talked about that on the call. Yeah. Oh, you know, people who, who make $200,000 a year have no idea what it's like right now trying to get by on 50. Wasn't that a great comment by Musk? And not that he's the common man. I'm not making fun of him right here, but I am saying that of all the calls that I've heard since this quarter began, he seemed to be most sensitive to the idea of the, the tale of two cities. Pretty I interesting. Know. Yeah, the world's richest man. Um, Empathetic. That's not one of the characteristics I would associate with him, no. uh, And in fact, I think you've read the Isaacson book. I think that's... No, I'm... It's time for you to go. Goodbye. (laughs) I know we worked together for 20 years. Goodbye. You know, Isaacson left out about how Steve Jobs wasn't the nicest guy. No. Uh, By the way, not being a nice guy and those kinds of things can be a very effective way to actually create an incredible... Ben Franklin was the last nice guy he talked about. ...create an incredible company. Uh, and, And he's done that, without a doubt. Although Tesla shares, as we just saw, continue Hang to in see there, significant. Not really. No, G- not Jim, really. Since the no, quarter, that I mean, thing is down yeah. a lot. You always resist, though, getting caught in the gloom and losing sight of opportunities. Can't. Today, upgrades of Walgreens, upgrades of pins, you know upgrades I, of waste I, management. I'm so glad. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm so glad you mentioned the Walgreens. That's Lisa Gill. Now, she's saying that Walgreens is going to get away from this shoplifted, close the decks tour, uh, the greatest flagship store they had that I, I went and did a piece from, close. She's talking about Wentworth really being a very smart healthcare guy. They've got to get that business, they've got to get out of the shoplifting business and get in the money business. Right. That shoplifting per share has got to go away. It's very bad there. Yeah. Uh, they call it a clearable bar as this new management rolls in. Well, we'll when they give away the chocolate at the front of the store, at the one down here, because they know that that floor, they can say, look here, an offering, that's got to go away, too. Yep. You should charge. I find charging to be an incredibly positive experience. It's a very helpful way to actually make money. Although, what's great piece in the Atlantic about, did you see that about self-checkout being a failure? No, really? Yeah, and then I said, well, maybe they don't, maybe they don't use the self-checkout because it's such a pain, they just walk out. Well, you can pretend to use a self-checkout. You can sort of do, you know. Have you ever done that? And then just no. By mistake? <laughs> I would never do by that. By mistake, Costco says there's a lot of people who do it by mistake. They, they forget they to pay? They thought they paid. That's why they have to have people. But they didn't check. actually have the receipt. No, right, but this is the problem with self-checkout. It turns to be a giant bust. But the C- CBS and Walgreens continue to do it. And who's got the worst st- uh, pilferage? Well, maybe Target. But Target is. Yeah, the Whole Foods around the corner here has does self-checkout. But... You know, I, I always write I, by the I book. I paid for a bag and they didn't have it. And I went and complained. They said, are you kidding me? I know. We pay $17 I for our salads. I with a chicken. With a chicken walking around the street with a chicken. Oh, right. You can't get a bag. You don't right. want to get a bag. I'm like, hey, how you, guys, how you doing? I say, hey, are you Kramer? I said, hey, chicken. Why are you carrying a chicken? If you're like, Kramer, you why are you carrying a chicken? Disney World carrying around a turkey leg. Disney. How about the break? How about the India? And yeah. how about the ESPN valuation? Mr. Naysayer Disney? Yes, and the 8K from last week. Certainly what did you make of that? Was, uh, I'm was, sorry, you might have talked about that. We, we did talk about a number of these things. Life goes on when you're not with us. And not as good, obviously. But no, we, we, we not with as through. much insight, you, not with as much humor. You still and, a show. And, I know. and fun, but yes, we did talk about some but of these things. long stretches of awkward silence. Well, you, you absolutely, I, I know, and that's what it's like without me. But I did think that Iger is lifting his head, starting to put together something. It's still coming. 
the whole the work whole in progress. What, work in progress. I think so. I think I'm particularly on ESPN. I, again, I sort of have said many times the ABC idea that's non-core sure, but will that really result in any kind of a transaction? Very difficult to say. Oh, geez, look at point. that. Oh, but no, that, don't that, look at that. Stock's not doing much for you, though. He's going. I told you he's going to Boeing me with the Disney. Uh, there's the Why re- did you buy it, Jim? There's what the were you seeing? About, about Reliance in India. There's, uh, we got at least we got the actors talking again, starting yes. again tomorrow after two weeks of nothing. Yeah, they're back to the table. We'll see if they can finally get to the finish line uh, there, like the writers did. I was going to mention Netflix, but once again, I would hear, "When Jim, where were you?" So I'm going to skip Netflix. I'm not going to talk about it's it. Nice. I like the idea that I'm always in your head. You're always good. in my head. Always. Uh, guys, you know, we, we should take a look at shares of Apple. Uh, and speaking oh. of newspaper stories, this is the Global Times. Um, oh, it's paper of record. Yeah, the, well, but it's out of China. And so uh, mainland tax, natural resource authorities inspect Foxconn companies in several provinces. It seems to yeah. be in part because the company's founder said in August that he would be running as a candidate in the 2024 elections of Taiwan's regional leader. Yeah. Independent. Independent candidate. Independent. And um, Fox Hun may be investigated because he is running for those elections. Chinese mainland experts again tell the Global Times the investigation is normal and legitimate as any company goes through tax inspections. All right, okay. But Can again, we- given everything we know uh, in terms of Chinese uh, regulatory authorities, what they do or don't do, response to U.S. or not, related to Taiwan, and so forth, you might imagine Apple would get uh, at uh, least some concern, and that's happening with the stock down over a percent. I want you to go back five weeks ago when we heard that the government basically was saying, hey, don't buy Apple. To right, and telling, look- telling government employees don't bring an Apple phone to work. What American was the best received in China this year? Tim Cook. And how are sales? Jam-packed. Jim, I don't Jim. know how sales are. Yeah, I get, I, we I, get, Reuters has a piece today that China's offering deep discounts on the food. We get different well, data maybe points that's why this what to be all the time. We don't know what's well, right. Well, we, we left out the fact that they, they've been terrible at AI. How about that? And that's known sources within the company. You know, if you talk to someone within the company and, you talk to them, you're, and you're in the media, you're done. So whenever I read these known sources, and by the way, they don't like to do something until they're, until they're the best. Yeah, Jim is referring to a piece on the tape today that AI within Apple is seen internally as a disappointment, uh, that they were thrown by the wave of AI interest earlier in the year. Well, I think that their history is when it's figured out and does more than just term papers, we'll be in there. I've been using it a lot. It's fun. I'm going to use it to do Wordle. ChatGPT? Yeah, which I think one it might be you, good for Wordle. It's good for games. These days, yeah. It's good for games. It's good for a lot more than that. Well, I'm Come just on. saying that when Apple, when it's worth it for Apple, Apple will do it. Now, people are going to say that when, in December 4th, when Lisa Sue unveils her chips. Yes. People are going to say that the Microsoft Hewlett Packard Axis is going to make it so that there's AI that fits in your daily life. With Copilot or what? Yes. And Copilot, nice piece. Microsoft's holding up better than most enterprise software companies. God, this market's ugly. I was going to say, Jim, uh, the KBW Bank Index is really flirting with uh, taking out its May low. I can't believe that those companies are doing worse. The stocks are doing worse than during the crisis. Uh, I don't think it's right. But then if you go back to the Bank of America, obviously not a small bank, people were worried about their bond portfolio, which I think is pretty ridiculous to hold the maturity. I mean, it's just too they'll high. hold it to maturity, but they've it's got bad. embedded losses that are enormous numbers. But right. right, to your point. But wait, worse than the 
than the global financial the lo- crisis? The what are you talking about? No, the bank crisis, not the global. Oh, the bank crisis in March. Yes. Okay. Yes. No, I'm just saying that like those what? stocks, a lot of those companies people were worried about, they were worried about the stocks. The businesses themselves aren't that bad, but the stocks are horrendous. We need mergers so badly in that. It's awful. Uh, Jim's right. We lost 4,200 here, down, uh-huh. down almost 200. Uh, all sectors red, except for industrials. Slight gain there. 1% declines on names or industries, at least, like financials, uh, energy, uh, utilities, and so forth. Quick reminder, you can get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Mm-hmm. Sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club. Or you can always use the QR code on your screen. It takes you right there. Fed is in a blackout window, uh, mercifully, so no Fed speak this week as we approach the meeting next week. Uh, but of course, the news of the day is the 10-year visiting five, currently just a shade below. Don't go anywhere. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Watching the long end this morning, uh, Bill Ackman got a lot of attention when he announced his uh, bond short. Tweets a couple of moments ago, we covered our bond short. There is too much risk in the world to remain short bonds at current long-term rates. We'll see if that marks a turn in sentiment. Dow still down about 140. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You know, my tagline for mad money is there's always a bull market somewhere. I, I don't like this bull market. It's military. Because I don't want to be like uh, Cal needs to be eaten. But uh, L3 Harris recommended this morning by Wells. And it's really good because they bought this Aerojet General and it turned out to be a wise acquisition. This stock is well off its high. It's got 2.5% yield. It's very well run. And they are the, um, I'd say, maybe the big winner right now in what's going on. So if you did want to capitalize off of armaments, which I wish we didn't have to, LHX is the one to buy. Yeah, that's generally the consensus when people yeah. talk about that. Yeah, and yet the stock is so, you know, we're talking about a stock 177. It wasn't 255. So I think there's a lot of room to run here. So how are you going to frame up the week tonight? Well, I'm going to have a snap on today. I'm very focused on this. Uh, on this strike. They got to they reach agreement this week. The and UAW. I, yeah, and I do think that Sean Fain is running the UAW. He is moving the goalposts. It's become very political. Uh, and I, I, I'm wondering whether the ranking file is still with him because $500 a week is not that much. It is getting cold. Uh, this strike must be solved soon and at prices uh, that are not uh, prohibitive. And it can't include batteries because if it includes batteries, then Musk has got such an edge that it's never, ever going to take off for Ford NGM. $4,000 would add to the battery. Try to make that up with the pennies. That gets to the key question in terms of their ability to generate any kind of a margin right. if they're, if, and given what their costs are going yeah. to be. Must, you know, must sound like a guy who makes cars. He does make cars. Wants people to go to the office, I drive there. Wanted to make cars. Drive to the office. Yes. 
yeah. getting a robo taxi. He's no Joby, I'll tell full, you that much. Full stop driving having, is coming. I don't know if you heard. It's we coming. Still have to have someone in the. I know. And at the Cybertruck, by the way, not yet. Not yet, because it's very hard to make. We'll see you tonight, Jim. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time as we have now recovered 4,200. When we come back, Wharton's Jeremy Siegel on how higher yields fit into his market perspective. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit, credit to the people.